Welcome to Talking Kotlin, another episode with myself and your, my co-host or your co-host, my co-host, Seb. Hey, Seb. Hi, everyone. I'm everyone's co-host. Oh, nice. You're everyone's co-host. So this is our, what is this, our third episode on Talking Kotlin on YouTube? Uh, something like it. I think yeah, the third recording. Episode. And the best part is that by the time that this recording is done, no one's even seen the first episode. Or, although I think today is the March, first of March, today's the first episode going out, right? Yeah. So to, hopefully if everything goes well, um, yeah. I mean, I don't see how that influences us right now, but yeah. <laughs> okay. I'm not allowed to talk about the weather. So now I'm not about yeah. to talk about our podcast recordings. Oh, talking about podcasts. If you're listening to us on YouTube, know that we have a podcast. If you're on the podcast, what do they know, Seb? Well, we have a YouTube as well. Exactly. Yeah, so if you if you haven't seen either one, uh, you can find all of the information on talkingcotland.com. Uh, or, well, if you're on YouTube, you can just go to youtube.com slash Kotlin and, and find our, our episodes there. And if you're on Twitter, it's twitter.com slash talkingcotlin, where we will we'll be tweeting the shows and maybe something more, but we don't know yet. But anyway... Let's welcome our guest. Who's our guest, Seb? Uh, today we have uh, Arkady Ivanov, who's an Android engineer at Bumble and who's a Google developer expert for Kotlin, main contributor of uh, Reactive, MVI Kotlin, and Decompose. Welcome, Arkady. Hi. Hey, Arkady. Welcome to the show. Nice to meet you guys. It's nice seeing you. I could say that now. It's so cool. It's like, it's nice seeing you. Nice to see you too. Thank you. You see, Seb? He's nice. As opposed to you, which is like, oh, I'm just keeping you focused, man. Yes. Yes. Sorry about that. Sorry. No more talks. So, so spe speaking of focused, uh, let's, let's actually talk a little bit uh, about what you do. I've, I've already mentioned you kind of maintain three different libraries. Do you, you want to give us like a brief overview of, uh, of what these libraries do? Uh, yeah. So this is like uh, open source part of my life. Um, which I do in my spare time. Um, so yeah, the first one is uh, Reactive. Uh, it's a Reactive implementation. It's implementation of Reactive extensions in pure Kotlin multi-platform, like from scratch. Uh, uh, the another one, it's like Java. Everyone's familiar with. Uh, another one is MVI Kotlin. Uh, it's a basically a library uh, which brings MVI pattern to Kotlin. It's also a multi-platform library. Um, and the third one is decomposed. Uh, it's more like um, if you're familiar with Android fragments. So it's like fragments, but in Kotlin multi-platform as well. So like navigation, scoping, like cycling, and so on. Okay, that's super interesting. Well, I actually before before the show, I went onto your your GitHub and and I looked at, at some of the libraries. I have to admit that I I only was able to to try them briefly, but what what I thought was was really awesome is that actually all the libraries you build are are multi platform and not just multi platform mobile, but like multi platform with uh, including JS as well, for example. Yeah, yeah absolutely. What's kind of the motivation behind going like full full multi-platform for you there? Uh, I started doing multi-platform before, like multi-platform mobile was announced at, like as a separate SDK tools. Um, uh, 
And I started doing it like before because I just had some interest, some big interest in Kotlin Mozilla platform. So I started experimenting with this. So and while, for example, I have JS because there is a demand in JS currently, and people asking to support this. So why not to include it? It's quite easy, just enable it is in most of the cases it just compiles. So no, almost no additional effort. Did you hear that, Seb? There's a demand in JS. I am I'm grinning on the outside and on the inside. That's very exciting. It's okay <laughs> to show your feelings, Seb. Grin, <laughs> smile, man, smile. So I know there's a lot to to uh I was gonna say there's a lot to decompose there, but I won't say that. Uh, there's a lot to take in, and uh, I think that we can have you back at some point to discuss uh, Reactive. But uh, in this show, we want to get a little bit to the MBI Kotlin and also to the Decompose. And, and let me start off with MBI, right? So a few years ago, actually last year, I recorded an episode on a framework called Oolong, which was an MBU framework for Kotlin. Now, for our listeners and watchers, yes, because we can say that now. Can you give us a brief overview of like what MVI stands for and how is it different to MBU? Uh, so MVI stands for uh, Model View Intent. Uh, so this is like a, basically the presentation pattern. Um, and it's also unidirectional data flow. So it's basically similar to MVU. Uh, by the way, to be on the same page, what is MVU you you are referring to? <laughs> <laughs> you answer that one, Hardy. Yeah, what is MVU? <laughs> I have forgotten what MVU is. It's, uh... So, because uh, why asking is because I know uh, quite different implementations of MVU. Maybe you referring to some specific. So it's model view update, as far yeah, as I remember. It's model view update. Yeah, I'm not really familiar with this pattern. Um, but I believe it's also unidirectional data flow and basically it should be kind of the same. So can you compare it to maybe some some other uh, architecture patterns that, that's not MVU that our listeners might be uh, familiar with or currently be using? Like especially, you know, if, if they're if they're currently using something completely different and, and now you're like pitching MVI to them, it's like, oh, this is the, the next shiny thing. How would you go about that? A completely different pattern would be probably MVP because it's like really, really far, far away from model view intent pattern, right? Uh, which is model view presenter. Uh, uh, and something intermediate between these two patterns is probably MVVM, which is commonly used currently now uh, in Android. Um, so in MVI, we have only... Probably we should draw some diagrams here. But basically, you have a user, you have a system, and so user sends intents to the system. Like I want, I click button, uh, I don't know, I move mouse, something, enter some text, and the system processes these intents asynchronously or synchronously, so regardless, and then update the state. So in MVI, the crucial part here is we have one source of truth, which is state. It, it's basically one object in Kotlin, uh, mostly data class. Of seals class, uh, and this object contains all the data, uh, and so, so the UI automatically updates with the new data once it's changed. And in this like system box, uh, which processes the intents, it has one pure function, which is 
called reducer. And reducer basically accepts the intent, uh, which it should process the current state, and it mutates the state producing a copy of it with updated values. So the reducer is responsible to for to validate the data and to most of which is most most important uh, ensure its consistency, which is very important. Okay, so why do you call it a reducer? Uh, probably this comes from Flux or maybe Redux. They also have reducers. So, and why do they call it a reducer in Flux or Redux, which are frameworks to deal with? Uh, React, right? If I'm not mistaken, patterns. Yes. Uh, actually, I'm not hundred percent sure. I never checked why is it called reducer. Naming is hard, right? Does it does it come from the from the functional corner where you where you take a a, a list of of things and then you you re you reduce them uh, as in like you you fold them more or less? Yeah, there's a, even an operator in the reactive extensions. Flow, I think, have the same reduce uh, the value. Sure, but in the context of a UI, like, why am I reducing? You know, I mean, uh, you're thinking like reduce it to make it smaller. Well, yeah, that's what I look at it. Right? People normally say reduces. Uh, yeah, the language specific probably. I think there are multiple meaning meanings of this word. Well, we should have some somebody with good English skills here. <laughs> well, I guess I'm leaving. <laughs> Thanks, Sakari. Right. Um, so, uh, note to self: brush up on my English skills. Okay. So you've got MBI, and uh, it's it's different to model view update in some way, uh, and you've created this framework on it, right? Yes. It's actually more than just reducing the states. Uh, but in general, yes, provide a single source of truth to your UI. Yeah. Okay. So with your like looking looking at your framework, how does how does MVI Kotlin help people achieve an MVI, or, or like what does it include? How does it help me achieve my uh, my MVI architecture? So the, the library is split by multiple modules for different like for different purposes. So there is a core module, which is like MVI Kotlin itself. So it contains some abstract-based interfaces like store, which is the store is a component response, like the system, uh, which produces your states. Uh, uh, it also has interfaces for views. And it also have, uh, it has uh, something called binder, which uh, uh, manages to subscribe different parts of your system, like uh, store to UI, and maybe another component, say all reactive can be, and you can all bind them together. Uh, so this is a core module with the main functionality. So also there are uh, two extension modules, one for Kotlin coroutines. So they are built uh, so like separately and pluggable to the main functionality. And another is uh, for reactive library, also extensions. Uh, and also there are two modules, additional ones, uh, is uh, one for logging. So it's automatically uh, logs all the events passing through the system. And another one is time traveling plugin, uh, which you which allows you to basically do some magic uh, with your application. So it basically records all the events at runtime, uh, 
log them like in a list, and then you can play back them, uh, evaluate every event, check the values of it, uh, even debug, file and debug the particular events. So like the, the tools for debugging. That actually sounds really interesting. So so how how come that you can you can time travel? Like is is that is that an uh, a side effect of of MVI as an architecture that that like each state of your application is is well de well determined or deterministic or or is there some other magic happening here in the background? So yeah, thanks to MVI and it's as you said exactly deterministic like nature I would say. Uh, it is possible to record all intents, let's say, passing through the system and the states at the time when events come, came. And then you can uh, like roll back the events and the states. So you, you know what the state was at the point of particular intent. You remember the state as instance of the data class because they're all immutable. You can easily remember them. The intent. And then, so you produce it a new state, and it also remembers, and you have all this all this data recorded in time, and you can back roll back them. And 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 how do you expose this this time travel functionality to the user? Like, do I have like a I don't know some kind of client for it, or how does that work? Yeah, yeah. So the two parts here. So the first one is client, which is lives on the application, and does it so. Not no, server lives in the client uh, and the application, and the client you are using to connect to this system. Um, so uh, the there are different ways probably to implement time travel using MVI, and I choose the one of the approach I come up with. Uh, so when you creating a store, you're not actually just implementing an interface or extending some abstract class. Uh, uh, there is a the library provides you with an interface called store factory. So when you need to create a store, you need to call this factory and pass the reducer there and maybe some other components like executors that execute asynchronous jobs for you. And it, it creates you an implementation of this store. You don't know what is it inside. And this gives you the ability to uh, wrap your stores at application level. So you can wrap it with logging functionality. You can wrap it with time trail functionality or whatever else you can come up with. So one of the wrappers available provided by the library is time traveling. So at the application level, you first of all, you are starting a time travel server provided by the library. Basically, you are doing this in debug mode probably. And it starts in TCP server and listens on the, on the port, basically. And the second part you're doing, you're wrapping your uh, main store implementation with the time traveling, which is actually records all the events passing through it. And so this works on the on the application, and then we have uh, a, some sort of some set of clients. So one is most interesting is a uh, idea plugin. Uh, so you press the button, connect. It connects to the application, and basically listens for events and sends commands back. Yeah, it's available for iOS. It's available for Android. It's available for Java. Uh, it's not available for JS at the moment. I'm working on it. Okay. <laughs> well, I look forward to, to seeing that part as well. So is that is the idea basically kind of like event sourcing, essentially, right? Where you are capturing all of the events that take place in the application and then essentially replaying them back, no? Exactly, yes. Right. 
And so outside of debugging, I mean, I know that, for instance, you know, event sourcing in the case of using it for storing data is very valuable because you kind of essentially have an audit trail of everything that's happened, right? I mean, if you think about the uh, quintessential example that they always give, which is banking, you have every transaction stored as an event. So you can play it back and it also serves as an audit. In, in your case, you're applying this to kind of like the state of the UI in a sense. Outside of debugging, what usages do you think that people would have for this in, in a production scenario? Uh, I never thought about production scenario. It, I don't know. Maybe a community will come up with some interesting cases I would like to, to see to learn. If I'm doing, for example, a multi-step wizard, right, uh, or a multi-step form or whatever, would I be using this or or not? Because that kind of uh, because from one side I'm I'm hearing MBI, uh, you know, self-contained, no management of state, uh, recreating everything from scratch. From the other side, I'm kind of hearing like, oh, I could play this back. Maybe undo and redo. Undo and redo kind of thing, right? Like, do you see what I'm saying? I'm, Trying to figure out, yeah. So basically, not this particular time travel implementation because it's very, very specific. But yeah, probably you can do something for your case, like you can easily record intents, passing through the store, and then play them back. Why not? Yeah, sounds interesting. And also, it gives you ability to actually because it works like client-server communication. You can do remote debugging. So you can con connect to a specific address in maybe your Wi-Fi network and do remote debugging. It's also very interesting. Right. So do I actually compile a, a completely separate build of my application when I want time travel debug? Or is that something that I can just, I don't know, leave in my assets and if I want to, I can connect to it? Or is that separate? I would say separate, but so the use case, how I see it, uh, you are working on application uh, and you're providing debug builds to QA engineers to, to debug. So since now we're all working remotely, you can't just come to the desk of the QA engineer and check what's the problem there. So the QA engineer can record the, they catch the bug, they can record it again, like reproduce, record and send. You, they can export these recorded events and send you, for example, by email. And then you can import these events into your client and you have the same state on the application as it was before. And you can debug. So before moving on to Decompose, which I know, Seb, you are very eager to get to, I, I got one more question regarding this MBI. Uh, it's an architectural pattern, right? And you know, there, there's two types of uh, developers. There's those developers that love frameworks, and there's those developers that hate frameworks and uh, prefer to use something like libraries. Where do you say MBI Kotlin? Is it like a collection of libraries and people can, because at the beginning you said that it's modular. So can people pull in what they want and use what they want? Or is it like you have to buy in completely to, to the framework? I think it's, it's more like a library. So there is a very basic core functionality in a separate module. Uh, and it's, it does not expose any like reactive framework, for example, doesn't force you to use slow, reactive, Rx, Java, whatever. Uh, 
if you don't need time travel, if you don't need logging, then don't don't uh, include these modules into your project. And you can. Uh, it doesn't mean that you need to use MVI code in, on your whole application. You can do it like in one screen or in one component. I don't know, whatever scope you prefer. So you can try in a set like do a new separate screen and play with MVI code. And if you like it, if you don't like it, then throw away. Well, I think that was that, that was really interesting. Um, I I know I'm I'm definitely gonna a little bit more deeply into this stuff. Uh, I I have to admit the the time traveling debugger sounds sounds awesome. Um, I I definitely wanna uh, spend some time on this. But let's let's also allocate some time uh, and and talk a little bit about decompose the the other project we wanted to talk about today. Do you wanna once again give kind of like uh, just a high level overview for for people so that we know what we're talking about? Yeah, so in general, this library is for, so why it's called decompose. So the idea is you decompose your code by uh, small uh, like modules, small sub-components, sub and then you, and they're all independent. And you can include, and you can organize these components as a, like a tree in your application. So it's not a flat, uh, I, I, it's, it's not a whole monolith uh, application, but it's split by multiple modules in a tree structure, like fragments. You can include one into another, uh, and so you know, each component has its own like single responsibility. Like some components may display user data, and others may display list of I don't know user friends, and you can build combine these components to build it, like screens, for example, and you can navigate between them. And what is most, which is very important, the compose provides a life cycle for each component, so you can scope each component in its own life cycle and see if, like normal events like on start is human destroyed and so. On. And yes, it's a, it is multi-platform. So so <laughs> lovely. So but but I I gotta uh, I gotta ask because that that might be on on the mind of some of the viewers as well. It's called decomposed. Does it have any kind of direct relationship or dependency on Jetpack Compose or anything other like that? Initially, it's the very beginning. It had direct dependency on Compose, and it was built specifically for Compose. Because at that point of time, there was no navigation library available, as far as I remember. And so this was one of the reasons I wanted to play with it. But then I just immediately converted it to multi-platform. Compose extensions are provided as a separate modules on top. So if you're using Compose, you can pick one of the extensions. Like there is one module for Jetpack Compose, which is Android only. Another one is for, I call it JetBrains Compose, which is multi-platform. So currently for desktop and Android. So you choose one, pick, and use. Is there one for JavaScript as well? Uh, not, not really. But it's oh, it's no. supports JavaScript. So yeah. trombone. <laughs> there is a, there is a sample available with with JS, so it uses React as UI framework, and decompose for navigation. So navigation is shared in in shared module, and you don't care about it. On the client side, you just plug in the React uh, UI. Uh, so you you said that it's uh, with with the navigation part of of uh, decompose. It it kind of abstracts away what your uh, what your platform would usually bring you. Like so, so if I'm if if I build something on on Android, for example, I there are existing patterns, right, for how I would implement navigation. Or if I 
if I build a React application, then that is also going to be, uh, I don't know, React router or something. Does it mean that this is kind of a swap-in replacement for these things, or how do I have to imagine that? Yes, it's swap and replace, and the navigation logic is supposed to be implemented in Kotlin multi-platform common module, common code. So it's replaced completely. Okay. Uh, and do I have to expect any kind of drawbacks or improvements if I if I choose this over like a, a platform native solution then? Uh, obviously, there should be drawbacks and improvements, as you said. So as an improvement, I would say, uh, I would mention like your navigation logic is now shared, uh, which, which means you're basically writing it once for and test it. It is tested once. So, yeah, obvious benefits. And drawbacks probably uh, you probably will not get a full powered platform specific navigation if you say if you for example you you, you use a, uh, React routers then probably you won't get any super features from them. So so who's who's the target audience for for that then specifically? Uh, is is it people who say they want to just maximize code sharing or they say well. The, the amount of, of platform-specific stuff I use is, is minimal anyway. I want to uh, just, yeah, deduplicate de code and not learn learn three different implementations of, of this? Uh, exactly, as you prefer. So it's a known benefit of Kotlin Multiplatform. You choose what you want to share and you choose what you don't want to share. So if you believe shared navigation will work for your project, then probably go ahead and share. Otherwise, you can keep it separate and just don't use the compute. Cool. Well, I think we're running out of time. So uh, that was really cool. All the work that you're doing, and I'm, you know, I, I'm anything related to desktop. Every time I read desktop, I'm just like, I want to get back into it. And Seb is like, anything related to Kotlin JavaScript, he just wants to jump on boards. And <laughs> and uh, I think that the fact that you're doing this as multi-platform is really, really great. Really. So you know, uh, apart from the fact that it's awesome. We want to thank you for your support uh, because the more multi-platform stuff that's out there, the more people are going to start adopting it or continue adopting it. And uh, it's uh, winning, hashtag winning. We need to put that hashtag winning somewhere. Hashtag winning up in the corner. Yeah, so uh, thanks a lot for uh, coming on the show. Uh, it was it was really exciting. I, I can, I mean, I can just repeat what Hadi said now, but uh, still, I'm, I'm super excited. I, I know what I'm going to do this weekend or so. Definitely going to, uh, dive into some of those libraries. I'm going to make ribs, but it's totally unrelated to this, but it did come up. Sure thing. Um, before we wrap it up, is there anything you want to like shout out or is there a, a certain place in those projects where you would like to see maybe the community contribute? Absolutely. I'm always open for contributions and there are already uh, contributors in these libraries. So yeah, please join, provide your feedback. Raise bugs, raise issues if you find some. Yeah. Cool. Well, thanks again for joining us, Arkady. And uh, until next time. Thank you. Don't forget care, to everyone. hit the subscribe button, people. And the like button and the bell, as always. As bye bye. Always. Bye bye. <laughs>